You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I first started my first business, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore all these adulting things that need to get done. And I'm going to just focus on making money because that's more fun. But the reality is then we never feel successful at that if we also have this like, you know, we feel like we're failing as a mom or as taking care of our house is a mess or our finances are a mess or whatever, because we're just doing the thing that feels fun instead of, you know, finding a way to like learn and grow and do these things, you know, the basics of what make us feel successful and like for our family to be doing well and us to be doing well, but then also pursuing the things that are interesting and stimulating. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Okay, before we get started, I'd like to share with you this review from the Apple Podcast platform in Germany from a listener called Boba the Builder. It's entitled, One of My Faves. Always straight to the point with our well-known zigzag thought patterns. Love it. Great guests. Thank you, Boba. I really appreciate the feedback, and I agree these conversations do zigzag all over the place. If you're a listener who is still wondering if you have ADHD and you're keeping up with these conversations and nodding vigorously the whole time, well, then I don't want to diagnose anyone, but I think it's a pretty good indicator that you are in the right place. Thank you so much for the review and the reminder that we are a global community of incredible women. These reviews help so much in getting this podcast out there and found by other women who really need to hear these interviews. If you're a listener of this podcast and you've been helped by these episodes, please take a moment to leave a review or even just hit those five stars. Okay, here we are at episode 87, in which I interview Amy Marie Han. Amy Marie is an ADHD advocate, entrepreneur, and mom of three young kids. She was diagnosed with ADD in kindergarten, but found motherhood, and especially being a stay-at-home mom, to be the most challenging season for her brain. She now teaches moms with ADHD to manage their home life with ease, in order to have more time and energy. In addition to her Activated ADHD Mamas Facebook group, Amy also runs a Master the Mundane course and training system for moms so they can better understand their brain wiring and develop the best home management systems for themselves and their families. She also wrote a 16-page ebook called Thrive in Motherhood with ADHD, 
which comes with practical tips, mindset shifts, and resources for personal growth. You can get that for free at her website, which is in the episode show notes. Amy and I talk all about domestic life and the unique pressures on women to be able to, quote, do it all as a mom and entrepreneur, and to somehow also be satisfied and sane. We also talk about the Christian community and the church and how some of the expectations on Christian moms simply don't work when you have neurodivergent kids. If you've watched any of her Instagram videos, you know Amy Murray brings such humor and warmth to the motherhood journey. So I was really pleased to get to this chance to sit down with her and hear her story. So without further ado, enjoy. So you are what I call an ADHD unicorn because you were diagnosed in kindergarten. Um, and so I'm always curious to find out kind of how that journey evolves right throughout the, your whole life. So I guess, tell me what was going on in your life as a child that led to you first getting the ADHD diagnosis. Yes. First of all, I have to apologize if you can hear my dogs. They're here. We, we got, <laughs> they have big personalities, just like everyone in my house. Okay, so yes, I was a unicorn. Really, my diagnosis was because my sister was first diagnosed. So she was three years older than me, and she just happened to have a teacher who told my mom at the time that she was like, you know, this child isn't trying to be bad. She's just, you know, she was very, very talkative. And it's funny, my sister and I are a lot different, but I think because my sister was tested, you know, my mom found a private psychologist that tested her back then, you know, it was just all ADD. So then I think when I was in kindergarten, I was tested too. And so, yes, I was medicated my whole life, but I didn't know anyone like me because, you know, I can remember going to the nurse's office to like get medicine in midday. And it was like the only other kids that I knew that were on medicine were like the boys who like got in trouble all the time. And I was like, no, I was like super perfectionist, people pleaser, teacher's pet, straight A student. So it was kind of weird. Like I didn't really understand. I totally just thought it was like a school thing. Um, I grew up, I did really well in school. My sister school was different for her. She was much better at like arts and at drama and music and things like that. But for me, like I liked, I was a gold star kid. You know, I wanted to like get all the things. So that's kind of what it looked like, but it wasn't really until college and then my twenties and then, then motherhood that I really began to understand the emotional regulation piece and the, you know, impulse control and especially the emotional piece. Like all that, and then executive function, executive function was never that much of an issue to me until like adulthood. And then I didn't, I didn't realize how much of that was connected to my ADHD. Right. Well, yeah, because we have our parents kind of as a safety net to help us with a lot of that stuff. And then you're kind of sent off into adulthood and expected to kind of know how to do all these things. And that's why I feel like so many of us had that feeling of like, everybody got the manual, but me, right? Absolutely. It's funny because I think there are so many people that are diagnosed later. And of course, I, I only know my story intimately, but I think there are so many things, even having had a diagnosis, first off, we just didn't have as much information. I mean, I think there's so much better understanding now of what ADHD is and how it manifests in all these different ways than they had back then. And it, and I do think the doctors just didn't know. And my mom did as much as she could. And I think that she was brave 
in that she did medicate us and do some of these things that she did the best that she could with the tools that she had, but they just didn't know those things. But then still you internalize, there's still those struggles that you still internalize as thinking their character issues. Even though I did have a diagnosis, I still just didn't know that 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 was part of my ADHD and how it manifested itself. Well, and that's why I think it's so fascinating to talk about it in terms of gender when it comes to expectations, right? And how, like you said, like so many of the executive functioning issues are thought of as character flaws much more in women than in men. And just in, you know, men often have wives or secretaries or, you know, it's just not, they're not expected to kind of do a lot of the highly challenging you know, managing of the calendar and and dinners and all of that, that typically fall to women. So yeah, it's a conversation I'm always fascinated by having been diagnosed well into adulthood and kind of thinking about like, you know, and a lot of us, we talk a lot about the grief of being diagnosed in adulthood and wondering like how things could have been different and having to like really learn to forgive the adults in our life for doing the best they could with the knowledge they had at the time. Right. And it is always fascinating to me to see these sort of parallel lives and, and how at the end of the day, like you still have ADHD (laughs) and there's just, you know, so many interesting factors about like how, what does success look like and, and all of that. So that's really interesting. So when did you start working with, when did you start activated ADHD mamas? And when did you start like working with ADHD women specifically? Well, I think for me, I guess kind of back up. So my journey, like just understanding my ADHD brain, like in my twenties. So I went through a shift, you know, I was, did really well in school. I was smart. I was capable. I knew I had ADHD, but like, I believed that I could do, you know, could be successful. And then when I hit college, it got really hard. And I think now as I look back, I'm like, I think that was like an RSD, like rejection sensitive. Like I went into a depression, like I failed my first class. I that never happened. And then it was like, I spiraled and I think I had this switch flipped and I thought I began to see ADHD as something that limited me. And so as I began to look at my future, I never really had a vision for a career. And I don't know why, like I was always so successful. I got in this great college and then even like, I kind of was biting my time to be a stay-at-home mom. I thought like, I'm always great with kids. I went to college, I graduated with a degree <laughs> in recreation, which was like a joke. It was so easy for me. And then I struggled because I didn't really understand how much I needed challenge. And I was kind of just, and then even in my career in my twenties, you know, like I would take these boring jobs because I thought it gave me the flexibility and it wasn't that hard. And I, I took one job working on Capitol Hill, which was like super intense workaholic, environment. And that was not good, but it was like, I just kept skewing back and forth. And I kind of feeling like I was biting my time till like I got married and I had kids and and that was going to be like my thing. And I was going to be so great at that. And then um, (laughs) I did work full time. So my first was like 18 months. And then it was like, right away, I was like, I, this, I need something. My brain needs something. And as my oldest, he is now 11. So that it's really been 10 years that I've been at home, not had a corporate environment to go to. And so that has been a journey for me of learning what it looks like. Well, especially knowing that I'm different than other moms and the needs of my brain are different. And then I think that then as we've had more kids, we were foster parents and then we adopted and then we had our third child and that whole journey, like the executive function piece of managing our home 
became much, much harder. Since that beginning of being a stay-at-home mom, I, I first started building a business in social selling online and then really learning about marketing and then learning about automation. And I, that stuff is has been the fuel for me to create, you know, my creative outlet throughout this stay-at-home mom thing. And then life got hard, probably like 2018, 2019, 2020. 2020, it was hard for everyone. But for me, 2018, 2019, adding a third kid, like I realized that that like my ADHD was worse than it had ever been. And I was challenged in ways I had never experienced. The emotional piece, it was just like, who am I? Like, I was still on medicine. I was still, but it was like nothing. I, I just was a loss. And so I began really learning. And then also it was coming out in my kids. So, you know, learning about it as a mom to care for them, learning like, how do I function as a mom? How do I care for my kids? And then also still pursue these interests and these goals that I need to function because I, it's not just financial. Yes, of course. I have big financial goals and I am wired to like to be an entrepreneur, but it took, there was a lot of mental work to give myself permission and realizing that it was all kind of wrapped up in my understanding of who I am because of my ADHD and because of like that whole unpacking of the unmasking, like those all connected and how I see myself as a mom. And so really my journey and then building a presence on Instagram, I just got real authentic. And the course part, the coaching part, like that has kind of, it was kind of a natural byproduct of that. And just wanting, seeing that there are so many other moms that struggle in a similar way and real wanting to help them through that process of, you know, understanding their identity, being able to separate who is ADHD and who am I, and really building that intentional life in a way that uses their strengths. Because I do think that the ADHD brain is amazing and that there are so many gifted and talented people who, because of those social constructs, they miss it, you know, or feel like because we're trying so hard to do all these things that we just feel like failures. When in reality, we're we're just really supposed to be doing life a different way. So that's a long-winded way to answer your question, but it's definitely been a process over the last like four years. And really just now, because I had been homeschooling the last two years, we just in January stopped doing that, which I needed so badly. And it's really freed me up to have a little more capacity to devote to creating courses. Yeah. Oh my, uh, um, where do I start? Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Well, cause I talked a lot of, I've talked a lot of with my guests on this podcast about just how much I want to go back to that version of me who had little kids, who's just struggled so hard because I also like, we were living in New York city when I had my first and we, I had to work, I had to work full time and in order to pay the rent. And so I really, really struggled and for finally made the choice to become a stay-at-home mom. And we left the city so that we could live on my husband's income. And I was like, this is great. Everything's going to be great with my second kid. And then with my second kid, I was like, it was a whole other set of issues with having to be a stay-at-home mom. Cause it was, that was really like, I just felt so, you know, I just had a lot of hard, a really hard time with my identity. Right. I was just like, there's gotta be more to this. I'm so unfulfilled. And then I felt guilty about being unfulfilled because I should, you know, really love all this time that I'm allowed to have with my children. And it was just like, so stultifyingly boring at times. <laughs> and 
So it's fascinating to me to think about like the phases, like you said, when it, you know, how the ADHD kind of peaks, these peaks and valleys that we have in our lives as women and as moms. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sitting back and watching this like explosion of ADHD diagnoses in women and over the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, how has it been to watch this as somebody who has had this knowledge of ADHD and has had to kind of live with the various stigmas or stereotypes or, you know, made those sorts of personal choices in your life. Like, do you think this is ADHD? Like, I feel like I'm, I always ask that question. Like, I'm like, so many of us are getting diagnosed right now. Do you think there's something else at play or do you think it it really is ADHD? And we're just sort of having this revolution, you know, this Renaissance in, in understanding what it looks like. Hmm. I think there's, definitely more going on I think especially women right now we are so taxed and I think there's a big crossover with the overstimulation because you know I've just even been thinking about myself like thinking about when I was always thinking I'm always thinking like why why did it get so much harder and one of the things I've been thinking about recently I don't know if I'd say I'm definitely a highly sensitive person like if you know what that definition is but I'm like right on the line. And I would have never thought that about myself before, like when I was younger, but I think I also had a lot of time and things in place. Like I just had natural opportunities to care for myself. Like I can remember like in my twenties, like I would, you know, on Sundays go to a park and like read a book and like, just be in nature or like go on a hike or like, do these things. And even like in high school and stuff, I would like go on walks and runs by myself. And I, I was able to care for that. And I think as an adult and as a mom of three little kids who are, have very intense needs, all my kids are ADHD. One of them's on, at least one's on the spectrum. I don't know. I have, might have another, like we used to have a lot of stuff going on. They, They need a lot of me. I have very little opportunity to do those things to care for myself. And I think with the pandemic, it was just like an all time hardship and then being able to like talk to people and really process our thoughts and things. It just feels like, I think life just got a lot harder. So I think there are some of these ways that we naturally coped that we're missing. I think what's been interesting to me is how many people I know had that have come to me and like, want to talk about it now. And I honestly, I just didn't really like, especially as an adult, like as a kid, people knew because like they would know when I didn't take my medicine, but like I was my people that met me in my twenties and thirties probably didn't know, you know, but now it's like, especially because I'm so public about it, 
it's just been interesting how many people come to me or I've had, you know, my best friend's husband was diagnosed. My husband was diagnosed. I have another best friend who I was talking to her, her about her husband. (laughs) So it's just, it's been really interesting, like to have those conversations that, you know, never would I have guessed growing up that like, it was so, so prevalent. And there are people that were struggling with it. They just never know. And now I look back and think about friends or different experiences. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they probably are at ADHD, but you know, it's also kind of awkward because you can't like say that to people until they come to you. So, yeah. (laughs) I know I often get that feeling too, because I feel like I wish I had a finder's fee for how many people have come to me and, and, or have gotten a diagnosis either just because I've been so open about it. So they're, you know, either family members who have gotten diagnosed since I have or friends or just, you know, through the podcast, I'm like, it would be great if I got a finder's fee. But then also there's that's the other flip side where I'm like, am I like fooling everybody? Like, you know, there's so much self-doubt in my own diagnosis, right? Where I'm like, oh God, am I like, is this really ADHD? Is this what's happening? Are these people ADHD? Like, are we just, like, I feel like we're kind of, as it's becoming more understood, I feel like we might be shifting into this new neurodiversity, right? Which is sort of like, there's not like an us and them neurotypical neurodiverse. Like there's, we're all kind of experiencing symptoms and traits on the spectrum in terms of like how we think and, and what our brains need. And I think it's so fascinating to me to like talk about this explosion in diagnoses might really be changing how we just look at not only our, our brains, like from like a chemical biological standpoint, but also just sort of how we look at how we behave and, and revisit some of these things that we used to think as character flaws and think about them really in terms of like, no, they were never character flaws. It was really just about your environment and how you were reacting in those environments and finding what you need to thrive as opposed to like, you know, even just ADHD used to be called like a moral character disorder, which is like back in like when it was first even an issue, like in the 1900s, right? They used to, it was always about like, we know you, these kids are smart, they just won't behave. And so it was like always classified as this character flaw issue. And then we wonder why we all have have so much shame around who we are fundamentally. Uh, was there a question in there? I don't, anyway, <laughs> uh, what I love what I love is the your master of the mundane. Is that a course or is that a group? Because I just love that phrase, right? Uh, as a mother, right? The word mundane. I talk about that a lot. So is that a course? Is it? It's a course. Yeah, and launching it actually next week. I don't know when this will air. So early May it will launch. So I've been having lots of conversations and it's been kind of in the works, but it's sure, you know, it's like, sometimes it's, you know, you're just, just not quite ready to pull the trigger, but I, I feel like we're there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. So tell me more about it. What is it? Who is it for? And what does it involve? Yeah. So it is for moms with ADHD and it's really around developing systems in your home. But I think that there's also like a lot of learning about yourself and self-reflection and kind of heart work too, as part of it, because we're all different. We all have different resources. We all have different abilities to outsource or to delegate. So it kind of takes a very umbrella perspective to help people create, you know, I have these kind of loose structures to help them guide how they spend their time and what they expect of themselves so that they can clarify what they expect of themselves, what it looks like to be successful. Because I think so many moms, we just feel like failures because we have all these ideas. And really, I think what is at the heart of this system, what is unique is it's not just about getting all the things done, but empowering women to understand that they need stimulation and giving themselves permission 
to do those things that are energizing, whether it's pursuing a business or, and I think for a lot of women, especially if you're just starting something out and there's just, especially moms, we feel like we can't give time to something unless we're monetizing it right away. But the reality is it takes time to figure out what you're going to do, especially if you're just starting this journey and you're doing all that self-discovery and that healing and that forgiving, like that's it, that takes time. So it's empowering women from a neuroscience, like understanding kind of how the ADHD brain works, what you need, and then developing rhythms that really support what your unique brain needs to enable you to do the brain mom things, because it's not just about like making yourself do it. We need that balance and that stimulation. So that's the heart of it. Yeah. Right. I know. And just also going back to that, that idea that like, I think there's a lot of pressure on women to be satisfied with domestic life. And and I think a lot of us find that we just aren't and need much more stimulation. And when I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, I kept trying to like start a business or take a course or get certified. Like I could never just like be and I always thought that was bad, you know, like now I'm like, of course you could never just be like, you always want to have a million things on your plate. Like, how can you lead into that? How can you move, you know, how can you uh, use that to your advantage? You know, so much of it, I think is like you said, like the mindset of like, you know, that moving away from like a, what is wrong with me approach to like, okay, what do I need? How can I make the best use of, of who I am in my environment? Exactly. And, and like trust the process. Cause I think, you know, some of us have this thing we know we're supposed to pursue, but we don't know how to do it and where to go or where to start, but trusting that process and giving it space and room to breathe. So not everyone is entrepreneurial, but I think a lot of people do have that creative inclination. And I also think there um, to kind of counterbalance it, there's that whole kind of like mom hustle or boss babe or, you know, nonstop go, go. And that is not good for our brains either because we need, there are these, because it, it's easy to be like, and I first started my first business, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore all these adulting things that need to get done. And I'm going to just focus on making money because that's more fun. But the reality is we, then we never feel successful at that. If we also have this, like, you know, we feel like we're failing as a mom or as taking care of our house is a mess or our finances are a mess or whatever, because we're just doing the thing that feels fun instead of, you know, finding a way to like learn and grow and do these things, you know, the basics of what make us feel successful and like for our family to be doing well and us to be doing well, but then also pursuing the things that are interesting and stimulating. So that's really where my heart is. Yeah. And it's such a difficult balance too, because I sort of, I feel felt a lot of pressure and still do as a mom of kids who my kids aren't little anymore, but I'm still, you know, I still feel like family comes first. Like my role is to make sure that everybody else is taken care of before I can look after myself. It's the opposite of the oxygen mask, (laughs) the fallacy, right? Where it's sort of like, it's fine if you want to pursue your little business, but you can't put your business before making dinner or making, you know, laundry or all of these other things. And, And I remember like Shonda Rhimes, he was giving like a commencement speech about like the, the work-life balance and, Oh, how do you do it all? You're a single mother of all of children. And like, you're this amazing producer. And she was like, there is no balance. She's like, when I am in the studio killing it on a script, 
you know, I'm missing my kids baseball tournament or, you know, or when I'm at home making a Halloween costume, I'm late on a deadline. And, you know, and the, she was just basically trying to like break down that myth that women can have it all. And I think it's, you know, it's a really fine balance because on the one hand, we want it all, at least I do. Like, I feel like I want everything. Like, I feel like I can get that balance. Uh, and I think that that's much, very much an ADHD personality trait, right? Of like wanting all the things uh, and having so much enthusiasm about doing all the things, but also knowing you have to like do all these other chores <laughs> that are always there. So like finding that balance between like wanting to feel, wanting to, to, you know, go after stimulation and finding it all, but all at the same time, like, you know, almost like a bungee cord. Right. But at the same time, you still have to kind of like have all of these adulting things in a family and, and, oh, like, I just, it just feels like everything ends in like mom guilt, you know? And, and that I think was so important about the community and finding each other and having these conversations is realizing that like, I'm not the only one who's thinking this. I'm not the only one who at the end of the day is feeling like, God, I'm a terrible mom because I was doing this instead of this, you know? Um, and, and yeah, anyway, um, I think it's such an important piece to work on with mothers, especially. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I have no answers really. A lot. <laughs> I'm just learning as I go. Right. I'm just learning as I go. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, like I tell people, if you know, have little people and you're trying to build something, I think it takes a solid year to figure out just to, how to do that, just to, how to make time for something. And I think what I'm trying to do is really shorten that window so that people feel confident in this vision for their life that they're pursuing so that they figure out the dynamics and are able to simplify their demands on themselves. Because I think that's one of the things, you know, you, I, I think as you get better, as you know yourself better, are able to set better boundaries around, you know, the mom expectations of what it looks like to be a good mom. And I think especially with your kids, like there are so many things, you know, I can remember like what I thought I was supposed to do as a stay-at-home mom. Like I can remember, you know, I thought I'd be like the room mom. And I'm like, I don't want to be the room mom. Like I only have so much administrative capacity and my family gets as much as I can give them. Like I can't, I don't have space in my head for things that don't really matter to my kids and don't really, they're not really aligned with like the goals in this vision that I have for my life. So, you know, my goal is to help women clarify that, clarify what their, what they uniquely, their unique motherhood is supposed to look like, because it is it's different for all of us, especially as ADHDers, you know, we have these things that we're very good at and are very interesting. And for some, it's like, it aligns with mom stuff. You know, some people love throwing their kids birthday parties, you know, other people it's like, that's on the, I would never want to do that ever again. You know, So like being able to clarify and then confidently live into that. Yeah. I like to hyper-focus on birthday parties, but then I need like a month to recover. <laughs> and that's the other thing is like, and now at least I can understand how much burnout that brings. Right. And I do enjoy it, but it's like, yeah, I had so much, I'm still, I, I somehow ended up as the PTA president of my kids <laughs> elementary school pre-pandemic. And I'm like still recovering from that burnout, like three years later, it was so intense. 
that's another story. But, <laughs> but that's the thing is we want to say yes. Like understanding you're going to want to oh, yeah. say yes to all the things because you're like, it sounds really fun and interesting at first. And then you're like, okay, no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Well, it's like, I think it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a toxic combination of wanting to say yes to a lot of things and also having a really hard time saying no to things. <laughs> And that's, you know, we, I've talked about like chronic volunteerism in uh, other episodes, right. And how I sort of like accidentally end up, you know, in these situations where I'm like, sure, I'll volunteer. How, how, how much time, how bad could it be? And then like a year later, I'm in charge (laughs) And, and I'm like, how did this happen? Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. So now I'm curious... What do you love most about your ADHD? Gosh, I guess, you know, it's funny. I have my nose down and I actually, I left that one blank. I had, <laughs> what do I love? I mean, I really. Because you were like, I could go on forever. I don't need notes for this one. Yes. I think the warmth and energy that I bring to the room has a huge part of my ADHD. You know, I am energetic. I am 
authentic. And I think that other makes other people feel safe around me. I think that's always been my biggest gift and to the world. And I think, you know, people are vulnerable and open up. And I love that because I am not great at small talk. So I think that's a huge part of my brain. Um, I also love asking questions. I'm very curious. And so I just love learning about different things. So yeah, I love being a resource to people. I love creating. You know, I think it's one of the things that I think for me has been a game changer and understanding about my brain is that I think so many of us, you know, I say that I talk about the creative genius and the ADHD mind is this creative genius. And I think so many people just think of that as like traditional creativity, like artistic gifts. Um, But I have come to see it so much more as the way I see things and being able to trust my input. You know, that like when I talk in a room, my insights are unique because of my ADHD brain. And I don't think I ever thought that growing up that I thought I was smart, but I didn't think that I had a unique perspective on things that, and and especially, you know, learning about like online business in the last few years, like in marketing. And there's so many things that I've realized that I see and make total sense to me, but other people don't see it. Not everyone, some people do. And some people are, you know, when you meet people that see it like you do, that's why we think we love each other so much. That when you find an ADHD who thinks like you and is passionate about the same things, like that's like total magic because they can elevate your thoughts. But being able to trust that you have unique insights to add to the world and sharing them, I think that has been huge because because of the way we think and are able to connect different ideas that we do have unique observations. And so that is what I want to empower my kids with that understanding that like their insights matter and are unique and and the world needs them because I believe we do bring a unique perspective and that by being in the room and sharing our perspective, whether people understand it or not, or how out of the box or, you know, all of our ideas aren't good, but I believe they elevate the conversation. And what I mean when I say creative genius, I think it's the way we see things is unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's lovely. Yeah, it is true. You know, I think we do undervalue a lot of our creativity when it, if it's not like in the obvious arts, like you said, that I think about like Instagram real, like your, your Instagram account is so entertaining and so incredibly creative and lovely and, and funny. And, you know, I think those are a lot of the qualities that feel effortless. Sometimes people with ADHD and things that are effortless, we tend not to value. <laughs> That can be, you have to like actively take the time to like reward yourself or, or, you know, stop and realize that some of these things that come effortlessly to you are actually really difficult for other people. I re- and that reminds me of a guy who, um, uh, it was a TikTok video I came upon once where he said, I'm really smart at dumb things and really dumb at smart things. <laughs> it's like, yeah, basically. Um, but you know, it's the, you know, things that are really, really easy for other people can be really, really difficult for us, but there's also that flip side too, which is there, there are a lot of things that I think we take for granted in terms of our talents. We have to own both. Cause I feel like the more that we can say like more comfortable, I've gotten to be like, that's not interesting to me. My brain doesn't get that. Like whatever. It also has helps me to say, to own the things I am good at and do understand well. And it's funny, like you say about like 
comedy or humor. That was something that I, for me, that was a big part of masking is I feel like I, I hold my funny side of my personality very close to the best. Like I let a lot of people might see my silly side, like in real life, people like, um, especially like my kids, but that's been in the last few years of being able to like, and, and it's funny, Instagram has been a fun release for that of giving me an opportunity to show like my funny side a little bit, because I, I do think I played that close to the vest because it is a little bit quirky and not everyone gets it, you know, really would say only my very closest friends would, would understand, would see that side of me. And so it's been fun to bring that to life a little bit. Same. I really enjoy making reels too. And for a lot of the same reason, which is like, I think there are people in my life who know me and I feel safe around and, and can see that sort of silly, quirky side of myself that I show in conversation on the podcast, but also on my Instagram, but also like there are a lot of people in my life who would classify me as quiet <laughs> and withdrawn because I'm very, you know, I am really at the end of the day, an introvert of, and, but I'm also sort of like, it just depends if I feel like you said, like if I feel safe around you, uh, but for the, there are many people who I come across as being like very shy and very reserved. And then other people who are like, I would never, <laughs> never call you either of those terms. It is interesting and, uh, you know, how fractured our personalities can be often and, and how that leads to a lot of, you know, that sense of, I guess, isolation, right? And the, some of the the loneliness that we feel with in, you know, so many of us share that feeling of like, I wouldn't call it loneliness. I mean, a lot of us do feel it, but I think that just a sort of sense of like feeling misunderstood. Well, it makes, if you never feel like you're totally yourself, or if you are withholding part of your personality, even when people do love you and embrace you it's hard to really believe it because they're they don't really see the full side of you i'm curious because you're very open about being a born-again christian you're very open about your faith and it's sort of worked into uh, a lot of what you do and a lot of what you talk about and so i'm i'm curious like how is adhd or even just neurodiversity or mental health you know how is it viewed in the christian community especially with with moms and and women wives there's varying degrees. There's a, you know, a lot of different place, you know, the Christian community is a big community. And so there's a lot of, yeah, that's true. Uh, different, you know, viewpoints. Um, I'd say, especially like with my kids, you know, there are places in, that, you know, that there's, you're, you're supposed to be in the box. Being a good mom looks a certain way. Having good obedient kids looks a certain way. I do think especially for moms who have neurodiverse kids, it's a, it's a big shift. And especially moving towards like gentle parenting. And you know, there's a lot of things that Christian moms are told to do that don't work for neurodivergent kids. And so I think that is a thing. I think there are some of us in that community trying to empower and take some of the shame away because I think a lot of the traditional Christian culture for moms is that, you know, you're supposed to be a stay-at-home mom and you're supposed to, you know, really enjoy it. But I do think within certain communities that there is more empowerment. Like I believe that Jesus thought very highly of women. And I'm realizing that a lot of the um, me trying to play it small, I, I, I think I had this expectation of myself that was kind of wrapped up with you know, this ideal Christian woman and wife and mom. 
And so realizing that who I really am is very different than who I thought I was supposed to be. You know, there was some grieving in that, but I feel like for me, as I lean into who Jesus is and what he says about me, I find more freedom because I think he, what has, you know, my brain is no surprise to him. So what the traditional Christian community might say versus what I feel like as I draw an intimacy relationship with Jesus, those are the two different things. And I think it's helped me, like, you know, we just moved to a new city. And so, you know, we've found a new church. And so a lot of this church that, that we're, we haven't joined it yet, but um, that we're going to bringing our kids to it is very aligned in a lot of these things. They take mental health very seriously. They believe that women have a really vital role to play in leadership. There's a, like a lot of things. So I don't know if that answers your question. So, so it's definitely part of it. And I definitely think it can for some at an extra level, level of shame and, for, for me, I think it's why I want to um, really empower women, especially women who do identify as Christian. Like that's, it's like, I would go back and like, do I, am I trying to serve women who are just Christian? But I, I do feel like I want to create a safe space where women who do identify as Christians, but don't haven't yet unpacked all of that stuff, uh, um, feel safe, feel loved. And, and I also, one thing that I think about is I believe that neurodivergent minds, just like I said, we have a unique insight. I believe within the church community, we we need to be showing up there. And because we have things to add, we have our insights are valuable. And so I do think in the last few years, as I, the more I learn about sensory needs and neurodivergent and two of our family members were you know diagnosed on the spectrum, like I'm definitely looking through so many things, you know, through, through that lens now that I never did before, just in terms of, you know, how accepting is this? How open is this? How, um, but so it makes me appreciate environments that are, and where I feel like they are safe spaces, but, I, but I'm sure there's still a lot who are. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like, I think the more I learn about kind of, you know, the more I look through my childhood with a, with a, this lens, And the more I think about like what support I needed and what support I did and didn't get from adults, you know, and, you know, because a lot of that time I've talked about like, I was told to do these things and I had no tool. I just didn't know how. And I would have been really great if I knew that I didn't have to do this on my own. Right. And so I think, you know, I think it's so important to find your people and to find communities. But I think, like you said, it's so important to create community support for neurodivergence, because I think knowing that we are not the problem, right? That we are not the issue, that the issue is something needs to be tweaked, something needs to be changed so that you can thrive. And and I think that having community support or having, you know, school support in the school system, you know, like all the ways in which children especially need to know that they are not the problem Anytime you can change that, anytime you can offer that in like intentional communities, I think is really so important. And I think also like advocating, you know, it's, 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 so it's new for us too. So my oldest is 11 and especially on Instagram, I try to not talk a little, anyways, going to, I try to keep their mental health issues private, but he was diagnosed on the spectrum. That's like a whole other thing for me, like that to understand and to process his needs, you know, and he's now coming into middle school. He has a lot of social anxiety. So for us, finding a church where he feels safe 
was, was like a whole other thing, you know? And also like, he doesn't want to go to the pullout thing. He wants to sit there and he reads his book at church. And so part of me, it was, you know, you kind of just as a mama bear, I think it, it puts things at a whole different level because I'm not, it's not just about me. I think it's so much easier to advocate. And, you know, I think, you know, people ask like, well, should I have kids? Because, you know, I have ADHD and, but I think first off, the more ADHD brains in the world, no diverged brains, the better off we're all going to be, because I think we have so much to value that. But I also think parenting an ADHD child is 100% been the, the most motivating thing to learn about my brain because you know I don't just want to learn it for me I want to learn it for them but um anyways as we've gone to churches and you know you feel like how judged do I feel I feel it for him you know it's like he's sitting there reading his book like are people rolling their eyes or people that like you just it just tells you you know how how gracious is this place how accepting are they and I feel like that's you know the places where we feel comfortable it says so much Oh, that's lovely. And it sounds like you found a a nice supportive community in your new town. So that's great. (laughs) So now I like to ask if you could rename ADHD to something that makes a little bit more sense to some of us. Would you call it something else if you could? I think the creative genius conundrum, because there's so much about it that's amazing. And there's so much that doesn't make any sense at all. So... (laughs) Right. I love that. That's good. I like it. You're always great with alliteration too. I like alliteration. My name, my maiden name was Adams. I was Amy Adams. Oh, is that why? Okay. <laughs> so in addition to Master the Mundane, which is the online course you have, you also have an ebook, right? Essential Tools to Thrive in Motherhood with ADHD. Yes. That is a totally free guide that anybody can get from my Instagram or from my website. But yes, Master the Mundane is launching for our beta round early, the beginning of May. And then over the summer, it will be out permanently. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. And then you also have your Facebook community, right? The Activated ADHD Mamas. Yes, Activated ADHD Mamas. And what happens in there? It's mostly just a place where people can connect and get support. I've gone through seasons where I've added more value there. Right now, it's more just a place for people to connect and, and get support. I will be having a private Facebook community for the Master the Mundane, where we will have weekly support calls and ongoing training and things like that. But as a mom with three young kids, my youngest is is three. So I currently only have 10 free kid-free hours a week. So I have to use them pretty strategically. So um, I'll be pouring more into the Master of the Mundane community on a weekly basis, which I'm excited about. Awesome. Yeah, you're in the thick of it with a (laughs) three-year-old. They're still young enough that like anything they do, they could potentially kill themselves. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're learning. We have a pool at our new house and she legit thinks she can swim. She cannot swim. She she just like tippy toes, but like the deep end, it's an old house. So the deep end is like, super deep she, she yesterday I was like because she was like trying to like leave her noodle and I was like Libby you're going to die like if you do that you're gonna die. so then I like I so she has a noodle again and then she put it and then you know of course she starts like drowning again and I had a grief for her she goes I didn't die and I was like, oh my gosh because I saved you because I'm right here Oh my goodness. My son was like that. You know, the minute I put him down in a parking lot or anything, I would put him down on the ground to like grab a, grab the groceries or something. And he would just go, he would, he would just 
take off. And I would always be like, it is a miracle. You are still alive. <laughs> oh no, that Libby's the same way. She'll go out our front door and just like the other night I was reading a book and I like hear the doorbell ringing. And I'm like, where is, what is that? And I come out and she was like, I went to go see the neighbors. <laughs> so yes, I am in the thick of it. We're all hundred percent on for the mommy mode. So I get it. I'm living this with the thing I'm doing. The fighting time to serve and build a business while raising intense kids is my day in and day out life. So I know it well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sitting down with me and sharing a little bit more about your story and your diagnosis and your perspective. So where can our listeners find you and what's the best way they can reach out to you? The best place is on Instagram. It's at activated ADHD mama. I also have a page on Facebook, but I'm much more active on Instagram. So find me there and reach out and say hi. And in my links, you have can get access to all the things we've talked about. Yeah, you got a lot of freebies there. That's awesome. Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks, Katie. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.